This is Recovery Revolution Live. The episode you're about to listen to is live and unedited. If you'd like to join us on the live stream, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Facebook.com slash Recovery Revolution 100 or search Recovery Revolution Live on YouTube. I still don't have the cool music that Carl has, but I found this one, so I think it's all right. How's everybody doing tonight? Oh, dude. Funky. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like the vibe. Actually, I'm good. I'm actually, good. Thanks for asking. Quiet. I'm not feeling it, but I don't want to be negative. Feel- <sighs> You're lame. Did you at least dance a little? I wasn't paying attention. Sure. That hurts my heart. I got a few others to try out, so we'll see. Wow. And I got some different, I got some outro music too, so get ready. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll enjoy that. (laughs) Yeah, Ashley. Are you more, did you like Carl's music choice better with like his EDM dubstep, whatever that was? No. No? I don't. Okay, so what kind of music do you like? I guess I'll ask that. When you play it, I'll tell you. Country western. Uh, no. No, this music makes me feel high, and I don't like that. This is just like chill. How does it make you feel high? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I downloaded a couple like pretty experimental tracks as well. We could go with with something like that too. I thought this was just kind of chill, relaxed, kind of jazzy. Yeah. How's everyone (laughs) doing tonight? Good. She's like, we're talking too much about this music. Too much music talk. Yeah, I gotta stay awake. I'm tired. Well, you better wake up, lady. I'm doing... Wakes me up and not some... (laughs) Chris, how are you doing? I'm loving the music personally. I, you know, I think it's great. Sounds like great, great music. Like when you're on hold for like, uh, well, yeah, that's great hold music. You can like jam out to it all day. <laughs> you probably would have to, you know, because some of those places they keep you on on that line for like an hour. Yeah, before it's good the- yacht rock um, kind of hold music. I dig it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. See, I like Chris already. Hold an elevator music. That's what he's comparing you to. Yes. It's just some fun, light background music to, to get us into the show. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. I do. I, I think you and my wife have a similar taste in music, though, Ashley, because you were talking like Ariana Grande or something in that genre. Demi Lovato. Same thing. No, it's not. Pretty much. Uh, teen, teen Queen. Teeny Bobber. Yeah, exactly. Hard Knocks Talks. What is What's going up? on, man? Our Canadian brother. Canadian, eh? I like yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, there's my wife. She's watching. I'm going to get on to her. I really liked you. She is driving. She's driving <laughs> right now. You should not be messaging the show while operating a motor vehicle. You should not be lecturing her while you're running a podcast. Uh, not a lecture, just just a tip. 
Take I was just giving you a tip. I'm going to leave that one alone because <laughs> <they> were, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a dirty bastard. <laughs> I'm matching today. So, got the shirt on. Oh, and overdose. Matching oh, shoes. Oh, is, is that from Glorious Recovery? You know it is. I knew it. The shoes are, not the shirt. But they match. Right, but they're not from the same place. What the H? That's so weird. I'm wearing my, this is what recovery looks like, a baseball. It's like one of them baseball tees with the half sleeves. It's from our local one of our OG recovery community organizations here in Minnesota, Minnesota Recovery Connection. And they do a lot of good work in our communities and in our Shout state. Shout out to them. Shout out to MRC. Yeah. Represent. <laughs> I'm going to try to represent some different recovery shit every time. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be dope. You just wait. Yes, thank you for joining us tonight, Chris. I guess, was that JR's way of saying, hey, let's introduce Chris and say yeah, what he does and why he's here? I think that's his way. He's giving us the... the I'm just enjoying away. the show. I, I'm just I'm, I'm just feeling like I just need to sit back and just relax and watch the show. This is a... You have good chemistry, the three of you. Great. Oh, uh, yeah. Love it. Love it. But we're going to have even better chemistry with you, my friend. I hope so. I know so. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, like, I don't know if it's the same with guys, but when you have an odd number of people, when, when there's girls, it's never good. It's always better to have an even number. So you're bringing it to four. That's balance. Balance is always good. Hmm. Yeah, three's a crowd. I just think it looks better on the screen so it's not two up top and then one on the bottom centered. That's just me. Hmm. There's no OCB there, is there? <laughs> no. I think there might be. <laughs> So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, Chris, and let us know a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, my name's Chris uh, Marshall. I live in Austin, Texas. I uh, am the owner and founder of Sands Bar, which is an alcohol-free bar. So I have a physical space here in Austin. Um, I've also identified as a person in long-term recovery. I've been ab absolutely alcohol-free for 15 years and change. Nice. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Dad of two. Um, loving great hold music to listen to. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Better music. Big fan. Big fan. Um, yeah, that's that's it. That's me. <laughs> nice. Good to meet you, bro. Sands Bar, that sounds fun. That sounds super fun. So I, I think it's fun. Yeah. I have to give you a heads up. I told Brett that he has to be the bad guy tonight and ask you all the hard questions so that we can convince the people that are not believers in mocktails and alcohol-free bars that it's a good idea. So if Brett comes across as, it's because I told him to. Well, I'm, I'm ready, ready for a little good cop, bad cop tonight. How bad of a cop can you be when you play great intro music like that? You can't be that much that of a bad cop. Yeah, bad cop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I said, if nobody asks the hard questions that people are thinking in their head, how can we convince them that it's a good idea? So I was like, it's the best thing for everybody if you just, 
if you're on the fence or iffy about something, ask. Yeah. I don't know, man. In my personal opinion, it's like, you know, because we used to do, there's been a different trends around here in my area over the years since I've been in recovery. But for a while, there was this billiards, big billiards place, and it was a bar called Biff's, but they had free pool Monday nights. And so we would go to N.A. on Monday night, and then we'd go to Biff's, and we'd play dart or free darts and pool it was. So we'd just go and fucking rock out all night, drink sodas and buy a bunch of appetizers. Granted, yeah, there was people drinking and shit, but it was like if I felt like if you if you're uncomfortable with it, then don't come. You know, don't feel pressured to come. We're gonna understand if you think it's gonna be a trigger for you. But at the same time, like if you're with a bunch of other people that are in recovery, you know, you kind of got a safety net, support network with you. I don't know, but just be aware, right? Be like self-aware of your own limits. Don't judge other people because they can do it. Like, if anything, it's probably just because you're hating because you're jealous because you can't do it, you know? And if you can't do it, that's okay. But if you can, that should be okay, too. You know, who am I to judge what somebody does for fun or fellowship? You know what I mean? We had a blast. Had a blast doing it. And I think it's so important because... You know, there's a lot of people that just like to go out. They like to dance. They like to watch sports. They like to play pool. And it's like when you take the alcohol away, then you take everything away. And you shouldn't have to take everything they like away to be in recovery or to be sober. You know, how, or however, even if you're just sober curious, like you shouldn't have to take away your ability to dance or enjoy music or watch a sporting event. And to me, you build like this new life when you go to like Sands Bar where there's no alcohol. You are around people that are like-minded and trying to stay away from those things too. So you make friends that, you, you know, you might go to, to a Super Bowl party at their house and they're sober too. So then that event is going to be sober as well. Or you might like, you know, maybe you'll eventually go to a bar that has alcohol, but you'll have met a group of people that like to dance and you know, you can still hang out and have that support, especially for people new in recovery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty much, I mean, you're, you're saying all the, the things that I think are the most important things. I, the, the only thing that I would say is missing from what both of you said, which, which is, you know, great is that I started Sands Bar based on my own experience. I got sober when I was 23 years old and I had been to treatment before I had been, you know, the whole thing, done the whole deal. And my last treatment stint, I thought it was just another three hots in a cot. And what changed for me was realizing uh, that I could keep doing this forever. I was actually outside of the treatment center, you know, on a smoke break. Everyone's smoking cigarettes. Everyone's, you know, and there's that, that talk that happens amongst um, patients and uh, one person said, yeah, I'm just, as soon as I get out of here, I'm going to do the same thing over again. I can't wait to, to get back out there and get after it. And uh, <laughs> someone else was like, yeah, me too. Me too. I can't, I cannot wait. Look, I got, I got this lined up. I got that lined up for me. As soon as I get out of here, you know, I'm court ordered to go, but as soon as I get this, so, you know, as soon as I can get this, you know, scram device off my ankle, I'm back at it. And mm. 
what I realized is that um, I, I was very comfortable with, with dying from my alcohol misuse. Uh, I was very, very, I was certain I was going to die. There was nothing you could tell me. I was going to change my mind. I was never going to see 25. Um, what scared me was that these people that were saying all these things were older. And I realized, like, you don't always just die right away from this thing. Um, and given my luck, I'd probably be 55 years old in my 38th treatment center talking about how I'm going to do it all over again. So I, I decided to get I decided to take it serious that last time, that last treatment stay. Um, and the one thing that made a difference that time was I was surrounded by a bunch of people who were older than me, um, wider than me. I was the only black person, uh, you know, all these things that should be differences didn't matter because they were teaching me how to love uh, being sober and, and living. And we go out after meetings on Friday nights and uh, go to this Mexican food place that was disgusting. Um, but we, we, would, we would enjoy time together, go to this coffee shop that stayed up until 2 a.m. and just get over caffeinated and just be wired at six o'clock in the morning. But I, that's, that's, that was the first six months of my sobriety. That was six months at 23 felt like 60 years of sobriety. Um, and that just never left me. I never forgot the feeling of having community, having connection, learning to laugh, learning to hug a friend uh, without feeling weird about it. The first time, I remember the first time I laughed and it wasn't a forced laugh and it wasn't, um, like a laugh because I didn't get the joke. It was like a genuine belly laugh. Yes. It scared me. Like I almost cried because it was just like, what is this? This is actual joy. So right. I had that experience. Then fast forward, I get sober. I stay sober rather. I go back to school. I become a licensed counselor and I'm working with clients as a licensed clinician here in Austin. And I'm working with people and, you know, if, if you've been around the rooms or you've been in treatment centers, you know how it is to hear people want to get better, strive to get better, say they're going to do better. But then as soon as they leave the treatment world, they're right back into the real world and there's no support. Uh, and then when they return to treatment, it's like, how have you failed uh, in this regard? How have you failed? And, and over and over, I kept hearing the same thing over and over. Uh, it, it took different forms, but it was always... I did not know what to do with myself once I was out there and I was alone and isolated. And so I decided to go back to my friend group. I mean, it, it took different forms, right? Some people were like, oh, I'm an attorney and we had happy hour. And some people were like, hey, I, I, I deal substances on the street and I miss with my, you know, being on the block. I mean, it, it sounded different based on who was in front of me, but it was still the same thing. I'm craving connection. I'm craving belonging. I'm craving what, you know, we are as human beings are wired for, which is connection. And unfortunately, uh, in 2017, I had a client who uh, was great, fantastic person, and they were middle-aged, professional, by all accounts, successful in this world. And the, one of the last conversations we had, uh, this person was saying that they were struggling to they knew that they shouldn't go out with their friends, but they did not know what to do with themselves on a Friday night. That was a Friday. On Monday, I found out that person uh, died in a drink, drunk driving accident. Man, I'm and, 
Yeah, I mean, thank you. Uh, and and I've lost clients before. I mean, obviously, working in treatment, you're gonna you're gonna lose people. Like, but that one just it hit me. It, it hit me, and it seemed unnecessary, and it seemed that the the way we treat people with substance use issues isn't is insufficient. And uh, I didn't quit my job that day, but I I did start planning Sandsbar. So um, I wanted to create a space for people uh, to live and not die. We, yeah. and we'll, we'll talk about what the, what the experience is. We'll talk about the fun part of it, but I just want to be very clear, like as a person in recovery, as someone who counseled thousands of people, this was born out of those things. It wasn't born out of this idea that I'm going to imitate alcohol or, you know, pretend that we're drinking. It came out of the idea that no one's, no one should ever die because they are lonely. Loneliness should never be the cause of death for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I started Sands Bar. Dude, that's beautiful, man. I love it. Like, and it, it just goes to show, you know, it's like how, how surface level some people can like perceive certain things. And this is one of those things. It's like, they think it's just so black and white, you know, like, oh, you want to pretend you're drinking? Well, why don't you go have a fucking drink then? No, right. it ain't, it ain't about that. Right. It's not even close to the real reason why you did this. I think it's an awesome motivation that you, you found a need and one of my first sponsors told me like if there's if you ever see a need it's your responsibility to fill it because you might be the only one that does right um so i really took that to heart man and and you did too even though you never heard that from him before but maybe you heard from someone else i don't know (laughs) but no dude i loved your reason though yeah i did i did hear that i am responsible i am responsible and that was one of the most beautiful things about the rooms was that I heard for the first time ever that I was responsible. And I had the ability to make change. I never, no one ever told me my entire life, Hey, we believe that you can make change in this world. I mean, I, I had a great childhood. My mom was great as a single parent, but no one ever told me like, Hey, you kid, like you personally, can affect change and the rooms was the first time i heard that and and i was still again a kid yeah. uh, but it, it just blew me away like oh you mean i have a responsibility and i have the ability to make someone's life better like that just what like that just was it was life affirming it, it changed my life for sure absolutely mm. yep i i know when i was first getting clean a buddy of mine was like you should uh you should do this recovery coach academy or whatever and i don't know why i listened to him because i didn't think that i belonged in something like that i didn't even know like who i was yet i had no love for myself and shit and i went to this thing and they made me feel heard and valued and respected and you know and i was just like i mean i broke down I broke down because I was so grateful that they actually made me feel those things. Like I, I literally felt them and uh, it was a challenging week, dude, but it, it was like, you know, blew my damn mind. And I, I learned those things you were just talking about and that I have like value, you know, like the more fucked up you are out there, the more valuable you are in the recovery space. And, and that's 
so amazing because then all that flips the script, right? Like all of the hard, hardest parts of your existence now become these things you perceive as gifts and you become grateful for them. And it's like, what? I wanted to kill myself because of the same shit, you know? That's so weird. Yeah. It's paradoxical. Love it's it. Ama it's amazing what people can do when they know that somebody else believes that they can do it. Yeah. And that's really, I think, what a lot of people need more than we realize. It's like someone saying, like, you can do this. And I believe that you can do this. It, Especially when you're at that ground zero when you're when you feel like trash when you believe that you are literally nothing for someone to say yeah um so i'll see you tomorrow and you're gonna like you know pick up the you know ashtrays or whatever you know fill the coffee or whatever it is like you mean you think i can do that and you just like you're you you just you're trusting me with this it's it's such a um such a beautiful thing and it's like i don't know where i would be oh i know where i would be frankly um, if I didn't have people that would just invested a little bit of faith in me, a little bit of trust, like, hey, I trust you to show up. I trust you to call me every day. I trust you to to help the next person. Like, I trust you to do those things. Um, it, it was a cool thing for sure. You just reminded me of like my first, my first sponsor. First time I asked him, he said, yes. He's like, meet me at this meeting. I go to the meeting. Then towards the end of the meeting, he was like, hey. There's a business meeting after we're staying for it. And I was like, okay. He's like, you have false suggestions, right? So you're going to stay. And then he freaking makes me raise my hand and volunteer for a service position. Next thing I know, they give me keys to the building and a folder because I'm going to be the new chairperson of this meeting. And I'm like, you know, two weeks clean, dude. Meth junkie, you know, really whatever I can put in a needle junkie fucking not too far away from my suicidal shit and i'm like what like i couldn't believe they trusted me with those keys and that stuff you know i was just like okay but i did i chaired that meeting for god i'm getting a little misty i think about this but yeah i did for like a year and a half or whatever uh chaired that cma meeting and you know i mean it it kept me coming back dude it it made me feel i guess accountable People were dependent on me kept me coming back. So let me ask you a question, Jason, since you're on this topic. What's that? Would you have ever taken anything from them or done anything shady in that building when they trusted you with those keys? No, I didn't. Nope. You went probably a little bit further trust-wise than they probably even expected, right? Yeah. I think the commitment... When, when you first sign up for or whatever, like the commitment's like three to six months or something like that. That's all they expect of you. And then uh, you can pass the torch if you want. But I didn't, you know, I I, I would I would go to those business meetings, obviously, because I was a chair. And then I would wait for somebody to raise their hand and nobody would raise their hand. But after a year, then I, I was like, I threw it out there because I was like, you know, I've been doing this. I think it's time for one of these newcomers to step up. And then everybody's him and hawing for like the next, you know, five months at the business meeting. This is once a month. And then finally somebody, I think I kind of was like, dude, all right, we need to pass this to somebody. I was getting on these newcomers like, you're coming to the business meeting, dude, and you're going to be the new chair. 
I got out of it after a while, but nobody wanted to step up. What I'm saying is they trusted you more than you even trusted yourself. So you showed up for them in a big way because they trusted you. Like it was, it's beneficial to both parties when you believe in somebody. Totally. And, you know, it was cool too, because there was like this one guy, Joe, and he called me out because I wasn't reining in the, the crowd because it was a very unruly meeting. Like people could bring their kids there and shit would get really loud and out of control sometimes and to get derailed. And he was like, it's your responsibility as the chair to, you know, get this group under control and keep the meeting on track. And I remember thinking he was a dickhead for saying that originally, but then I would work on that and it stuck with me and I would work on that every week, week after week. And I got really good at like crowd control after a while. And I remember thanking him like later on, you know, and saying, you know, I kind of thought that was a dick move, but then the more I practiced it, the more I appreciated that you put me on the spot like that. Cause it was in fr- put me on blast in front of the whole damn meeting. You know, it was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I was like, why is this dude punking me out? <laughs> so, Chris, what happened, you know, next? They believed in you, and you you started believing in yourself, and then... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started... So, I believed in myself. I, you know, got this job as a counselor, and I, I decided to, like, work on this concept called Sandsbar, and I think what this whole conversation we just had is sparking for me is you know the first couple of months of Sandsbar. So I oh had my first pop-up and like six people showed up. <laughs> like a lot of people didn't get what I was doing. People still don't get people still don't get what I'm trying to do. They don't get the need for it. They don't understand it through the lens of harm reduction. They don't understand the sobriety spectrum that there is sober curious and there's sober serious and there's 20 different points in between. Um all the stuff which I hope we get to talk about like People don't get that. They only got that this looks like a pretend drinking experience. And um, I, you know, my, my second pop-up had about 20 people, third pop-up about 40 people. Then it showed up to 60. I'm seeing like 60, 80, hundred plus people at these events. And I eventually get a, a brick and mortar space in 2018, which is really cool. It's connected to an RCO recovery or uh, recovery organization. Um, and the space is beautiful. Like we started building it out and it looks really, it looks great. It's, you know, bar top and tables and, you know, great space. And one night about 11 something, this group from uh, kind of North of Austin uh, came to Sands Bar. This is 12 step group came and they all but had pitchforks and, uh, <laughs> pitchforks in hand, like they were, they had come from their meeting to criticize me and condemn me for what I was doing. Um, it was incredible. I mean, they were all just like these silver-haired old timers that were going to tell me how I'm doing, how I'm doing it wrong. Um, and so I invited them in, and they were like, "This is wrong, and that's wrong. You're going to trigger someone, and someone's going to drink because of you, and someone's going to die because of you," and. Uh, <laughs> I just invited them to the back and let them know, like, at that point, I had 10 years of sobriety. Like, first of all, been in the rooms for a while. Uh, so I'm not brand new to this. Second of all, 
and I gave him the origin story. And, you know, if I thought this was about killing people, I wouldn't be doing this. This is because I know that people die because this, there's no place for them to go because they're lonely. Um, and also because I believe this is how we end stigma. We, we do a lot of this, like in the stigma, smash the stigma. We got to end the stigma. And the stigma exists outside of recovery, but a lot of the stigma exists within recovery. True. Um, puritanical kind of thinking that happens in recovery, in the recovery culture. You're not doing recovery the right way. And I've seen people, I've seen more people die from that, from being excommunicated from a meeting because they're not doing it the right way or they're they're still doing something that's not what's in line with what's, like I've seen more of that, which is not in any literature anywhere, kill people than I've seen people come to come to a sober place and die. Like it just not saying that this has never happened, uh, you know, from Sanspar, but I'm just saying like I've seen more people feel completely pushed away from any kind of solution because they would not do the exact thing the exact way. Um, I've seen more people. I can I'm I'm in my mind, I'm picturing five human beings who are no longer on this planet because they didn't get it because they wouldn't do the steps the right way because they wouldn't listen to, uh, they wouldn't show up at 3 a.m. in the morning with the latte for their sponsor. Um, there's a lot of that that happens. Right. Or they didn't have the right higher power. Or, yeah. 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 I mean, and it's, it's just they like, didn't want it bad enough. They didn't want it bad enough. Oh, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. Um, I'm picturing five people right now. And it's just like, yeah, so these people came into my space. They, they they had all these arguments, and I'm just like, this space is to end the stigma because there's that stigma within recovery, which says you have to do it this way or else, which means we're not resolving our control issues, mm. right? Um, mm. Or or the uh, the stigma outside the community, which is which is really why I created Sandsbar, because what I wanted to do was I wanted to normalize not drinking for whatever reason, and if it's cool. It's only going to be cool to, to to go to a bar and order a non-alcoholic beer if everyone does it, if, if it's cool for everyone. And so I had to expose people who aren't drinking for whatever reason, not necessarily in recovery, to the world of just not drinking. And it's amazing how many people come into Sands Bar and they, are, they don't identify as being in recovery. In fact, uh, mm -hmm. December 2021, we took a, a poll. Over 80% of people that come to Sandsbar do not identify as being in recovery. They identify as being sober curious or sober sometimes, yeah. on a break, on a pause. And I believe this does more good than it does harm because it means that people in recovery, and I got five or six regulars, they're there every day. <laughs> they, you know, they're 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 that's their place. And then upstairs we have after um, they hang out at Sandsbar, they go up to a meeting. Um, that's their spot. Hell yeah. Um, you know, that, that that's their routine. And they, you know, we, you know, we love, we love routine. We love habit. Um, so there's like 20% of people, percent of people that do that, but 80% of people come into Sands Bar and they're, they're there because they're there to support their friend who doesn't drink, or they're there because they're pregnant or running a marathon or for religious reasons. And it normalizes the fact that you cannot drink. Just the past, uh, about two weeks ago, we had a group come in and they stopped by Sands Bar first and they were going to go out to the other bars later on, but they just wanted to get together. They ended up listening to some music. We had some live music. They had a couple drinks. I, you know, did the whole, you know, show and showing them all these cool drinks that we make. 
they ended up staying. They were like, we we thought we were going to go out drinking, but this is kind of what we wanted to do. We just wanted to sit around, talk to each other. Uh, had some board games. They played. They played board games. They're like, this is actually the night that we wanted. We didn't. We didn't want to go get wasted. We just know that that's what we normally do. We normally go get wasted. And so those people are hanging out with people who are in recovery, and it normalizes this idea that we're all not drinking for whatever reason. That's and so awesome. The next, the next time their family member comes to them and say, "Hey, I have a problem." They're like, hey, you can go to Sands Bar, or I know people who go to meetings. I can connect you with someone. But you're not going to hear, man, that's dumb. Man, we don't support you. Because they're hanging around, normies are hanging around people in recovery, and they're seeing that recovering people are people. And they're, they're people that they hang out with at the bar, that they shoot cornhole with, that they, you know, all these things that, that they're doing life together in community. And it's not like this idea of recovery community and normal community. It's one community. Amen. Dude, that's perfect. Love it. Brett, where are the hard questions? I'm, I'm waiting for these hard yeah, questions, I was, Brett. I was just Yeah, what's here, up with that? I was just sitting here thinking, <laughs> how am I going to be bad cop? Like, I I don't know how to be bad cop in this situation. You're selling me on all this. How do I How do? I, do it? I guess, Okay, so I guess I guess one one bad cop question. You kind of touched, touched on it a little bit already, but the argument of like the the pretend bar the play bar and then uh and i guess the question for me is are the drinks that you serve are they non-alcoholic versions of actual drinks or do you have your own drinks because i could see where and i'm only thinking from my own perspective if i had a non-alcoholic beer and it tasted like a normal beer that could that could be triggering for me so i'd be curious to know more about the kinds of drinks you serve all right on a scale on a scale of like terrifying or like easy that was like a three that's like a softball question uh, but i'll answer it i thought i was i'll do it something hard that's that's an easy i answer that all the time <laughs> it's gotta ease you into it bro yeah, got, okay okay <laughs> softball you know i'll take i'll take a softball um oh yeah yeah um no but seriously it's a great question i get it a lot and that's fair and first of all um the idea of Sands Bar is to save lives. And so if anything that happens in that space is not congruent with your recovery journey or your journey period, remember, because most people go to Sands Bar for whatever reason, um, don't go. Don't go. And it's like 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 Jason was saying earlier, like it, it's it's okay not to go. Like I'm I, I would want you to be safe. That's what I want more than anything. So um that answers a bit of the question. The next part is that. Um, so the menu is a variety of drinks that I've created myself and are, are complete departures from any cocktail that exists. They're just botanical, they're floral, they're fruity. Um, they're just a good drink. They look beautiful. I, you know, make it nice and pretty with a nice orchid on it. You know, like I just, you know, sometimes you just want a fancy drink. You want something that looks great and it doesn't have any of the kind of alcohol alternatives, which, you know, we do have drinks that do have the alcohol alternative for rum and tequila and gin and all the other stuff. Um, and people, some people in recovery, I'm thinking about one of my buddies, my buddy, Doug, I think he'd be okay with me saying this. Uh, yeah. He, he doesn't do the non-alc mocktails. He just, he just doesn't like them. He's like, I'm not a big fan, but what he does like is the mango habanero drink that we have. We call it the longhorn and it's got mango, um, you know, fresh lime and, 
habanero simple syrup. It's spicy, it's complex with the sweetness of the mango, a little bit of sourness of the lime. Like he loves that drink. And it's nothing like anything that's, it's not a tequila sunrise. It's not a whiskey sour. It is its own unique thing. So um, some people like to like to just go in that direction of the non-out complete, nothing that's familiar. But then some people really like the familiar stuff. And a lot of people use it as harm reduction. Some people are like, you know what? I'm I'm having this you know desire for a beer, and I would rather have this beer than another beer. Um, but that's a very rare case. Most people are just like, I just want to be in the space. And as long as we do a lot of educating, which we do, we take time to educate people. Like the menu is very clear. These have you know these these alcohol free spirit alternatives, and this is what you can expect. All of my bartenders are trained to educate people in that way when they first come to Sands Bar, and. We also have all of our bartenders certified in mental health first aid so that if someone does have an adverse experience or reaction, we can talk through that. Um, not all my bartenders are sober or in recovery, but they get the mission. They get what I'm doing. And that's, again, intentional. I, I want to create this world where it's not just recovery. I'm in recovery, loud and proud about it. But not everyone has to be to get what we're doing here or to be supportive of someone who's in recovery. Dude, I love that. So I want to ask you about these free spirits. What did you say? Alcohol alternative free yeah. spirits. Mm -hmm. What? So literally like there's a non-alcoholic version of like rum and vodka and whiskey and stuff. Yeah. The, although the one that the, the non-alcoholic vodka just tastes like earwax. Like I'm like, why would you make, why would you do that? Why, what, like, like why do you, how do you bottle nightmares and make it alcohol free? Like it's like, <laughs> like it's like why like this is why um but yeah i was thinking in my head like does it even taste anything like it because i can't imagine no it i and it's like and and for me like i'm just like that that one makes no sense now that one makes no sense but some of the other ones do make a lot of sense like it's like yeah i want i want something that's not like fruit punch like i want something that tastes right. different and interesting um and again well, my sponsor and his wife they do uh, bloodies, non-alcoholic bloodies uh, sometimes. And I remember the first couple of years he was my sponsor. We'd hook up, you know, on like a weekend, early morning, go to like the farmer's market and then come back for lunch and she'd make bloodies for herself and then non-alcoholic bloodies for him. And they'd always offer me one. And I remember kind of being like, but I think I was earlier in my recovery. I was more judgmental. I was just like, hell no, fucking I have no desire for that shit. And then like one time I tried it and that shit was tasty, you know, non-alcoholic bloody. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I've, I've had them with them a few times and it was never a thing. I didn't feel triggered. Yeah. Uh, but but, yeah. I get, and that's, that's a great, that, by the way, that's, that's, that's great because it illustrates, I think my, my next point, which is, I never learned where to deal with manage my triggers. And in treatment centers, um, they they do a lot of talking about, you know, trigger management and how to handle your triggers, how to deal with your triggers. It's always, or, you know, when I was a treatment and when I was a counselor, it was always a piece of paper. It was always a piece of paper. And it was always like external triggers, internal triggers. You know, the, it, it's the same graphics. I can picture it in my head right now. And that never translated to the real world. It never translated to the actual world that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And I would do what most people did, which is succeed in 
a confined environment in treatment. Learn that rehab language. Learn learn to learn to talk like I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic. You know that whole the whole thing. But then go out there and have no defense when it came to actual brain science, like what was happening in my brain. I had no nothing to do with that. And what I think Sandsbar does a really good job of is it gives you all of those cues, but it gives you a lot of safety behind it. So you do hear glasses clinking, you hear people laughing, you hear chatter, you hear the bar room, you know, that people talk about how it sounds so lively and exciting. Like you have that experience. And for the first time, it doesn't lead to a needle or a pipe or jail or divorce. It doesn't end in that. It ends in making connections, hugging someone that you that you just met, shaking hands, looking to another human being's eyes, hearing stories and having conversations like we're having conversations. Like you have, your brain makes a new pathway and it mm -hmm. takes those things that used to be the start of something horrible and it pairs them with this new experience of connection, with this yeah. new experience of belonging, this new uh, experience of purpose, like you said, Jason. Like that is what Sandsbar to me is more of a classroom right. of how to live the rest of your life than it is a bar room where we're pretending to be drunk. It is, it still comes down to like saving lives. Like that's, that's whatever people think Sandsbar is, it's about that. It's about, for me, saving lives. I love the fact that you said that all of your bartenders are trained in mental health first aid. Yeah. I took that training a couple of years ago, and it was a really good training. Uh, and it helps you differentiate between what can I, you know, in what ways can I help and in what ways do I need to realize that I'm not qualified to help, right? And that I need to get them help mm -hmm. some from somewhere else. You know, it's important to know that stuff, but it's even more important, I think, that they learned it, right? Because then they can maybe see if somebody's getting in their head and say, hey, you doing all right? How's it going? You know, mm -hmm. because I'm sorry, what? It's the best class that I've ever taken to. Like, and I've taken a decent amount. It was my favorite. But I do have a question. Well, bad cop's back, but I'm going to take over for him for a second. And um, Sorry. Sorry. My wife and daughter have been out of town for a week, and they're supposed to be pulling up any minute. No, you're fine. Aww, um, he wants a hug. I do. So, so you talked Sweet. about harm reduction, and, um, you know, have you ever had a situation where someone came into Sands Bar that was intoxicated and how did you deal with it? And what was, how did the situation change to create, you know, you know, to maybe lower their use going forward or to just, you know, help the situation in that moment? Yeah. Um, knock on this is, I'm actually on a wood table, so I'm going to physically knock on this table. Um, you know what, in five years of doing this, we've only had a handful of people come in like really intoxicated. So people have been drinking that, that, uh, like I said, I sit on a row of bars and I'm at the corner of the row of bars. So around 12 o'clock, people just think it's the next bar to hop to. And they walk in and immediately, it's like, it's the weirdest thing. Like something about the human, the animal part of our humanity, we're so even drunk. Like people are just aware that they're not the same space. 
it's it's the wildest thing. They're like they're like blah, and they just like they walk and they're just like like it feel they can feel that it's not like every other place. Like it's it's a it's the wildest thing. So we've had people come in intoxicated. One person come in like belligerently drunk, but it's been one person in all that time. And people that do come in and they're they're intoxicated, it's been really interesting to see the respect that they pay to the space. I've never, again, knocking on wood here, never had to kick anyone else or anyone else out except for that one guy. That one guy was the one, he was just being a little too forceful and a little too, you know, just like, hey, you got to go, bud. And he didn't really give me much trouble. I was like, hey, out. But most people are very respectful. Um, <laughs> some people will sit down and just order a drink, not realizing that we don't serve alcohol. And I'll say like, oh, we don't serve alcohol here. And like, <laughs> oh, oh, I, it says, okay. <laughs> I thought I was like, and you know, and they'll be like, you know what? I want alcohol, but hey, this is not bad. Like it was, I've never had anyone just tear us down or um, talk trash about what we're doing. Um because I think all everyone gets it. Everyone gets why something like this needs to exist. Well, and what I think is that you wonder if, say, they've had a couple and them accidentally coming, accidentally coming into Sands Bar, and having a couple that are non-alcoholic, could that have potentially been what gave them the pause so they didn't get into a bad situation later? Like you never know. But that's yeah. harm reduction right there. Absolutely. I mean, I was at I was in uh, Dixon, Illinois, doing a festival, middle of nowhere, Illinois, and it, it was great because we served. I mean, just like two hundred drinks a day. It was maddening. It was fast paced. But when we were in this festival, I mean, it's a beer drinking middle of America rural rural town, and we were helping people kind of like slow down their drinking by you know having a mocktail and a beer like that. And for some people, that was a really helpful thing because it mean it meant that they got to drive home um, safe, more safe than they would have if they had been drinking beers the whole night. Um, it was a really cool thing to see. And then the relief when people realized there was an option. I don't have to just pound down. There, there weren't even cocktails there. It was just beer, water, fried food. <laughs> so to offer someone a pina colada that has coconut and pineapple and lime and they're like, oh, well, yeah, that's nice and fruity and kind of something. I'd rather drink that than this this beer. It was cool to see people just gravitate toward, towards it. They really love the idea of something other than alcohol, other than just, you know, cheap beer. Well, and it doesn't just lower, you know, harm with drinking. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that comes with that. I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, sexual crime and stuff that happens around drinking and so, you know, as a woman, I'm going to say, you know, it's kind of that's a harm reduction thing for women to be in that environment like that. Absolutely. And that is something that I've noticed that is way different than other bars is that our bar is always full of women. Um, that is, in fact, it's been hard to get men to come to Sands Bar. Like I said, I have about two regulars and they're both they're both, you know, men. Um but then just women show up because I think that it's a different environment. And um, I really appreciate everyone giving us a chance, but especially women feeling safe enough to be in a space where they can hold conversation. They can, you know, 
we keep the music at a nice level so you can always have a conversation. It's well lit. Um, we don't have sports center on the background. Like it's a, a place that is really about connection and really about building community. And, you know, as, as jovial as Brett and Jason are, um, I know that not all men are comfortable with just having conversation. Right. And I think that that's been the challenge is like men, cis men, um, tend to struggle with having conversations amongst themselves. Well, it's been a, it's been a practice for sure, dude. That's something that I've had to work on and I'll continue to work on. Communication is hard uh, not to crack. It's a process. Well, and a lot of times people go out to bars to pick up women or, you know, to, mm -hmm. to meet somebody and you get a little liquid courage there. So maybe that's a hard transition to not have that too. Oh, and it's, it's it's so adorable to see. It's so adorable to see people who are used to like alcohol being like the thing that helps them to like, they don't have it. So it's like, <laughs> it's, so, it's so awkward. And they're like, it's it's the most adorable thing. And it happens all the time. Like, you know, you know, two people will like kind of make catch each other's eyes. And then like, how do I, how do I you know, you can see like the, how do I talk to someone do I buy you a drink? Is I guess I, I let me buy you a drink. You know, like it's it's the same. It's so it's so awesome. And I've just seen like romance blossom. It is like and no, like your place is a place where like two people met each other and they can remember meeting each other. And they're they're how they met. Yeah. I held an event in York, uh, Manhattan, and these people met at a, at a Sands Bar event. And when I came back, they got engaged at the Sands Bar event. It was like what. Now they have a little baby. It's like, it's. Oh, man. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. That is awesome. Did they name right. Sans? <laughs> Sandy or Sans? Is their middle name Sans? Yeah. I, I, I would never want to impose in that way. Um, but yeah, I just, I love the fact that people can find each other in an alcohol free bar. Oh, yeah. What does Sands Bar mean? Like, what's the significance behind the name? Yeah, so Sands is French for without. So I wanted to make sure that we had a bar that was, and I, and I don't say just Sands because I just never have. I always say Sands Bar because I wanted there to be bar. I wanted bar to be part of what people understood about what I was creating. I didn't want people to think that this was a coffee shop. In fact, I, I did not serve coffee for the first three years because I didn't want people to think, oh, this is just a coffee shop. Yeah. I want people to understand that this is a bar. And, and part of a bar is community. The first uh, bars, in a, the, first, the first kind of like staples of society are often bars and taverns. Our constitution was written in a bar and tavern uh, out in the West with, during westward expansion. Bars were saloons were the place where you would get your mail, where you get married, where you get buried. It was like the it was bars have such a role in the foundation of Western civilization, especially this country. And I did this whole like understanding like what bars were and understanding like the culture of bars. And I wanted to make sure that we took back and reclaimed what it meant to be a bar because a bar is not alcohol, a bar is people, a bar is community, a bar is. The only place or one of the few, the few places where you can go and be a stranger and walk away with friends. Gotcha. I like it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
<laughs> yeah, so tell us about this sober curious, sober serious, and the 20 points in between, since you said you wanted to talk about it. Yeah, I do. I do want to talk about it. So, you know, I think a lot of people understand that what we're talking about, I think we all, I don't want to speak for anyone, but I think most of us are in recovery, identify as being in recovery. Um, and I, another way of saying that is to say sober serious. I say that I this is not a curiosity thing for me. I don't have to guess that I, I need recovery and I need a solution. I don't have to guess that I have a problem with substances. I know <laughs> I did yeah. plenty of research uh, <laughs> and I don't need to be convinced again that I have, a, you know, substance use issues. Like, right. I, I don't, there's no, there's nothing for me to discover. Like I already know that. So that's sober serious. But what's happened in the last five or six years is the rise of sober curious. And when I first heard of sober curious, I was like, that's not real. <laughs> it's not real. People, oh, those are people who just haven't admitted to themselves. Like, and what I realized is that I only thought that way because of the world I came from. I only came from the recovery. I mean, I, again, 23 when I started sobriety. So I grew up in essence, in recovery. And mm -hmm. what I did not realize is that there's a lot of people out there who aren't, don't have problems, but they realize that alcohol is probably not doing the best for them. They're not doing, it's not, alcohol is not doing them any favors and they could live without it. And they probably drink a few drinks a week anyways. And they're just like, you know what? I could just do without this blows my mind it just like it's beyond me that that's the way that people think about things um but it's no different than you thinking about not eating as much meat or eating no meat could you go your whole life without eating meat i don't know if i'd want to but i've i've been trying to cut back i've been trying to cut back on my meat just because i'm like yeah just just trying to see what it does for me right um that that is how sober curious folks are they can Take it or leave it. But they're also re recognizing that alcohol may not be doing the best for them. Maybe not have any problems. They, you know, they, they just realize that, man, my life is so much better when I don't drink. So that's what dry January is about. That's what dry July is about. It's an opportunity for people to examine their relationship with alcohol. Mm. There's a dry July. Yeah. So dry July is a, it's not as popular here. Um, as it is in like the UK and Australia, because um, dry January is pretty big here, but it started, all this started in the UK uh, anyways. Uh, but yeah, it's a time of the year where you, you're at the six month, you know, the, or the halfway point of the year. It's a good time to kind of evaluate your relationship with alcohol and see like how much alcohol has impacted your life. And so it's a, it's just a challenge. Don't drink mm -hmm. for, for a month. And sometimes people realize that, hey, I can go a whole month and not even think about it. Some people are like, it's day seven and I, I'm sweating. I feel very weird. My hand, I feel a little shaky. My stomach doesn't feel okay. And like mm -hmm. they, they start to realize like, whoa, I have a physical dependence on alcohol. I didn't realize that, that this was. Right. I think I've heard of like no drink November or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I mean, they're they're basically making it up something, you know. Um, no yeah. shade, remember. Well, everything's weird in Minnesota too, bro. Like we got all these sayings that are like 
really similar to really popular sayings, but they're just a little different here. And then if I say them, people look at me like I'm whacked and they'll, they'll be like, do you mean whatever? And I'll be like, no. <laughs> See, that And that, I think that's because you're close to Canada. And I think that that's, hey. that's no, I, no, I really like when I went to Canada, it helped me to realize like, it's like, there's these slight differences. It's not like it's a completely different country, but it's a little, just a little, a little different. It's, yeah. And I think that that might be some of that influence. It's yeah. like, you, it's like, a, it's like slightly, just like slightly, you know how they like yeah. use a U in like, you know, <laughs> in color and we don't like, you know, it's like, it's slight, it's slight, slight differences. Maybe that's it, Jason. Maybe you're just a little of the Canadian influences, you know, it, we're real different be. here in Florida. That wind blows okay. down and it's just, you know, makes it a little different. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about Florida. I don't think that, you know, there's that influence in Florida. So what's the influence here? What's our excuse? I don't know. Um, it's a, it, Florida's a special place and I can't wait to visit again. Um, <laughs> just not Orlando. <laughs> He's like, I ain't going there. I love Orlando. I love the city of Orlando. I love the people. Look, I got, I got a, I got an image to maintain. I can't, I can't, I can't talk bad about any state. Any you can't city. hate on Orlando, bro. Can't, can't hate on it. It's hard not to, but it's, <laughs> it's not a dumpster fire. See, look, now he's like, think he's dumpster already fire. got the wheels turning. He's like, I have to do a pop up event in fucking Orlando. No, no, no. I'm like, yeah, great. Now I've just committed to doing. Now I've just, I was telling you, I was debating. We can get Mickey now, to come. Now it's Orlando. Now I'm going to Orlando and I'm sweating now because I'm like, she'll bring the peeps. She'll she'll bring all the peeps. Yeah, Orlando's only an hour from me. Right on. Nice. You could come to Daytona. There's beach. Is that Daytona Beach, Daytona? Yeah, there's only one Daytona Beach. All right. Well, I don't know. I've never been to Florida. Florida. It's Florida. You know, it's like, they're probably like seven Daytonas. They just, you know. No. There's one Daytona, and we're just lazy and don't say beach at the end. Oh, gotcha. so that makes sense. Yeah, but that's I, I, the same like, place where they have the big the bike rally. They have the yeah. big bike rally there. And spring break used to be back in the 90s. Yeah. Mm. Man, sorry I missed that. <laughs> yeah, you could reinvent the wheel and bring back spring no. break, but bring it back with Sands Bar spring break. I guarantee you, I would have ended up fucking lost homeless strung out i probably would have been one of those homeless guys that was trying to eat people's faces because they were on that crocodile shit like that's what would have happened to me if i would have went to daytona for spring break in the 90s man what about sober spring break we could reinvent spring break bro spring break talk about the like the stuff you got going on with sands bar right like a huge ass like, like a college event. Break event, bro. That'd be wild. That's the Florida I want to visit. Like that, like that, that Florida is a good that that's how you come to Florida. If I gotta if I gotta go to Florida, that's why I'm not going to Orlando. See, this is like like now we're talking, Ashley. I wasn't gonna go to Orlando. I'm not gonna even pretend, I'm not gonna lie to people. Live a lie. Speak your truth, brother. You were you were making me do something I didn't want to. I don't want to go to Orlando, Ashley. Um, I don't want to <laughs> go, but I do want to 
think about a sober spring break. And I do in the pool. Want to you know how they have the bars that float in the pool? We could have the floating bars, but with mocktails or yes beer drinks like it could I mean, be it's fun. sponsored by beverage brands oh i wonder hmm <laughs> and then uh, you know what's that game where people get on each other's shoulders in the pool and oh, they like I know what you're talking about. try to try to like throw each other off imagine oh, how com- imagine how much more competitive and how much better people would be at that game if they weren't hammered yeah, that's a game I'm not playing. But yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It, it sounds, it's like that sounds absolutely atrocious and painful to my back um, to have another human being yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm sure people would love it. I'm, I am, I'm here for it. Are we, are we doing this? Are we? Dude, I think it's a really badass idea, though, to be honest. I mean, because you think about some of these events, right? Like Mobilize Recovery is a good example. Massive nationwide draw, yeah. you know, for like this big conference or whatever. But it could be similar to that. I know uh, what Glorious Recovery is doing in Connecticut where they just throw these huge concerts and shit, but they're like strictly like, you know, they're like a sober event. But a whole weekend, bro, or a week of spring break, dude. We imagine the money you make. There's a lot of artists that are in recovery. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Music, um, music festival. There's collegiate recovery programs all over, so they could bring their chapters to it. It would be an event. A fun thing. We need a bad cop question, Brett. Yeah, we no, need it now. No. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the cooler, the Brett. You're the I cooler. Missed, I'm getting too hot. Come and cool me down. I missed. I missed all the fun, badass ideas. So I don't even. I feel a little. Well, little you're gonna have to come to Daytona. Just to let you know, we're we're doing this big ass spring break, bro. In <laughs> sober '90s style, dude. Yes, we're sober. Yes. We got Demi Lovato nice. out there for Ashley. Yes. Yeah. And Macklemore for Ryan Hampton. <laughs> Hampton, yeah. Gotta have Ryan Hampton out there. Gotta have Ryan. Uh, yeah. Yep. Ooh, I'm trying to think of more bad cop questions. I do want to hear more about this group that came to your bar that were very upset about it. Oh, yeah. I guess I never finished that story. But yeah, I you was did. first, I hit him with the consent prior to investigation. I did that. I was like, hmm. It's like you guys are jumping to a whole bunch of conclusions without ever finding out what I really do. And uh, they were like, you know, well, I guess so. And um, they actually had a drink and they realized, like, it's not all that bad. Like, they met people and they they talked to people. And one thing that happened and that happens a lot in Sands Bar is that at some point, the conversation shifted from like how bad it used to be to what it's like now. And I feel like when I used to do the whole meeting after the meeting thing, it always was about how bad it was. And even in like, even in talking, Oh yeah, man. And I think we might've even done it here now. Like just when we were chatting each other up, it's like, Oh man, I used to, you know, do this or do that. Like, dude, I've been sober 15 years. Like I shouldn't really be like, am I still going to talk about how bad it was? People will start talking about what it's like now and and what people started talking about and what I hear all the time is like what it's like now is 
I'm lonely. What it, what it's like now is like I'm a new parent and I don't know how to be a parent or I got this job and I'm just really stressed out about it. Like people really start to talk to each other. And because we're so used to hearing each other, especially recovery folks, we're used to hearing being being audibly intimate with people. You hear people share about their worst thing, their worst day, their worst. We get there really quickly. The conversations are just so juicy. They're so like, they're so like juicy. Juicy in that, like, it's like, ooh, this is good conversation. You ever walk up on a conversation like, ooh, this is good. This is good, right? And that's that's what you reach because you're surrounded by people who are coming at it from all these different angles. Not everyone's just talking about, you know, you know, when I used to, you know, be behind the dumpster, like, yeah, there's people who do say that, but there's also people that are just talking about, hey, I'm a suburban mom that drives a Land Rover and I don't know how to not go to mommy wine hour. And it's just like something happens in that conversation. It, it just, it transcends what it was like. And it's all about what it's like now. And, it, and it's just a beautiful place to exist. Mm. I'm trying to think of bad cop questions. Why did you make yeah. me bad cop, Ashley? I know that we, we talked on the phone earlier, but I, I feel like I don't have any good bad cop questions. So, well, I mean, I can think of some. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can... I can I can be my own bad cop. Uh, you probably have them all memorized. Well, I mean, one thing that, again, the main thing is like being people being triggered, the drinks being too close to, you know, and then the other thing people always ask me is like, well, aren't you just making money off people in recovery? That's that's just something all you know, like you charge for your events across the country when I tour um, and you don't your drinks aren't free. And, you know, aren't you making that's money great. off people in recovery? Hey, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm just, I'm just the bad cop here. Don't, don't get mad at me. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm defending you. I, I got just, your back while you're getting your. Right. I, I'm just look. I'm just, I'm the messenger. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, <laughs> it, but I do get that a lot. It's like, why are you making money and good money? Um, I'm not, I'm not broke. <laughs> why are you making good money doing this? And I'm like, yeah. But it's not about that. It, and I and Sandspar will always be a space where people who don't have the funds can come. Like, you really think I'm gonna uh kick someone out because they can't they can't buy a not a pina colada? Like, you know, like no. Um, it's a space where people belong. Um and people get that they're investing into Sandspar every time they buy a drink or buy a ticket. Um, you know, I'll be in Minneapolis this weekend and I've sold like 60 plus tickets. Um, because there's a hunger for people who want to connect and who want to build this movement of not drinking for whatever reason. Like, this really exists. So I, I don't feel bad about it, but I used to feel very, like, people used to guilt me a lot about that. Like, And we have to get away from that. I believe we have to get away from this whole idea that recovery equals free. Um, so I have a question, because you just made me mad. Like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad. It's okay to sell alcohol and people to get intoxicated and people get hurt and things bad happen, but it's not okay to sell drinks that don't have alcohol that don't cause these bad things to happen. Right. With people's own, like it's their money. They can spend it on whatever they would like. Why are you the bad guy? Yeah. Hey, 
Right. You know, and what's the difference? I, I mean, I'm drinking a bottle of water. I paid money right. for this drink. I mean, it's a big corporation, but like, right. Well, you think about it like this. Good for me. I'm drinking it anyway, and I spent my money on it, and I don't feel bad. And right. I, the Coca-Cola company doesn't feel bad that I bought it either. How dare Coca-Cola charge you for that? Well, you got did. you got a bar bartender behind the bar making this fancy drink just like a regular bartender would. I do have one question, and okay. if it's not something you have at your establishment, maybe an idea okay. that, that you might like. Okay. But I know you've heard of flair bartending. Yeah. Dude, do you do your bartenders know do that shit? That fancy bartending? No, I'm not, I'm not wasting money on broken bottles, man. I'm, I'm a small business. I can't look. You want to flip a bottle? Flip a bottle at home. You know, I don't need. And it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make the drink taste any better. I'm sorry. I, I just like. I beg to differ because the presentation is proven to make food taste better. No, so no, no. Presentation drink. versus performance are two different things, right? But, but it's yeah, but it's part of the making. You know, like just like people pay to go to like Osaka's and watch the dudes do all the crazy shit with the food. I don't know. It's just a thought. You I can hire food, talent like one night you. a week. I hear you, but <laughs> that's money I don't have. And right um, he's not doing it. That's what he's saying. Oh, no, he love to. And he, look, look. If you're paying for it, Jason, if you're Jason, look, if you're paying for it, you can cover my insurance. They can light anything on fire. They can light the whole bar on fire as long as you don't pay for it. No, they can't. Um, they won't be able to start it on fire because there's no alcohol. There's still lighter fluid. Like you can, you can, you can light no, something. But, but, they're but you can't use alcohol. alcohol. Yeah, you can't use alcohol to, to light anything on fire. But yeah, the, um, the flare with the fire is, yeah, that's because there's alcohol in the drink. But we do have like we have our our kind of like flaming oranges. So we like just see you know, the citrus peel, the citrus oil makes mm -hmm. a nice little ball of flame. If I had an orange, I'd do it right here. I'm like you can. That's tight. I didn't know that you could do that. So yeah, yeah. So the oils, the citrus oils in an orange or lemon um, will express if you kind of roll it a little bit. Cool. And if you take a uh, match and you squeeze that, it, yeah. you get this little, <laughs> this little ball of tight, fire. Yeah. And it smokes. It smokes the the skin of the uh, citrus peel. So it gives you like a smoky kind of thing going on. Um, so when we do our our gold fashions. Uh, take on the old fashioned, uh, you get a little bit of smokiness in your citrus. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. I I was just reading Nicole's comment. You know, it's like, no shit. I don't understand why somebody would even come up with that argument about you doing this as a business. Like, big deal. You know, like, it's a good idea. It's a fun place, you know. People like to play games. People like to listen to music. People like to have a place where they can go socialize. Well, get a and even, and even, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you have overhead, you have rent, you have employees, you yeah. have to purchase the supplies to make the drinks. You're not receiving all that stuff for free because right. you're in recovery. No shit. And right, they, and like I they're think, expecting you to give it away for free, like your fucking daddy Warbucks or something. Right, and I think that. <laughs> I got the same haircut. Uh, I, I think that that the missing the monocle. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think that the the issue does come from this idea that things in recovery should be free, and 
I think about we have like a recovery in the park thing here. I think of like um, service work and we often, you know, that's 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 the thing that gets very muddy. And then, you know, the treatment world gets even muddier when you start talking about like, you know, people working and working for very low rent or working for, you know, being the being the manager of the sober home. But like, not. I mean, there's a there's a lot of grayness, gray area. Right. And I think that that's where a lot of that comes from. Um, but I think that you value what you spend your dollar on. And I want people to value this. And I want people to understand that, like, these cocktails are not. And that's the other thing. I, I keep my cocktail prices pretty low compared to what other uh, non-alcoholic bars. Some places like this place in Manhattan is like $15 mocktail. And I was like, I don't care how good it is. I don't care if, like, little cherubs bring me the little garnishes. Like, it ain't going to be worth $15. Uh, right especially if it doesn't change the way you feel like it's, it's not caffeine or anything like I struggle with that. So I I really want to make this affordable for people. I want people to have more than one drink. I want people to come back. And so it's a business I'm doing, I'm making a difference, but I also need to make a dollar to continue making a difference. Um, I can't keep just making a difference out of the goodness of my own heart. You know, Um, like ambition doesn't pay the bills. Right. Well, and I yeah. think that it's a bad, I mean, this is me being good cop for you, but bad cop for the people that want everything for free. Um, <laughs> that when you give it away for free, you're saying that it's less than what they're paying for. And it's not less than. So they should pay for it. Right. Well, and to me, it's 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 like that concept of like if your friend is an artist or something, you everybody always expects like that friend hookup. But it's yeah. like, hey, if this is what I'm pouring myself into and this is my passion and this is what I'm trying to do to support myself, why would you try to lowball me and, and not pay what it's worth? Like, right. you're my friend. You should pay more. <laughs> like, that, that sounds bad. But, you know, if you want to support me, like, you should at least pay full price. Right. At minimum. Right. At, at minimum. minimum. Yeah. When it's the same thing, like, you know, just in different People will invite me to events and stuff for different things, like because of nonprofit stuff, and they'll, you know, invite me for free. Well, I give a donation to their organization when I go because I'm grateful that they let me go for free and they invited me and they thought, you know, they wanted me there. But I'm going to support them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, if I had to say anything else to, to people, just just in closing, it would just be just that. Like this, I know it can be scary to think about uh, non-alcoholic beverages and think about the way that this movement uh, has kind of come on the scene really quickly. I know it can be scary. I know it can it cannot make a lot of sense, but. For some people, this is this is their thing. This is what helps them to get through. This is what helps them to find communities and friends and laughter. And while everyone deserves to get better, not everyone can get better inside the rooms. And when we release the idea that that our way is the only way, right? When we get rid of dogma, we're able to understand that people need spaces like Sandsbar, like whatever's happening in your local town like daytona spring break um it's gonna happen daytona spring break 23 i want the tank top 
the, the little the, the yeah the little tank shirt i cannot wait <laughs> i cannot wait um but yeah i mean i think we need more of these spaces and if you don't get it that's okay just don't get in the way of anyone else getting better and saving themselves you don't have to get it right mm. you just, exactly. just don't get in one's way it's it's so well said man because it's like uh something i learned years ago is that there's so many different pathways and everybody's is different because we don't have to stick you know to your point earlier right chris that there's not just one hard set way you can add to you can subtract from you can change it up you can make it fresh again you know you can spice it up and and try new things and that's i think part of this life dude we're as human beings we're always in a constant state of change so we should be open to what the you know human experience is giving us and and receptive to those things and be willing to change and you know with the times man and what worked this week might not work next week. And, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Just be accepting, man. Sow seeds of love, you guys. Jeez. Accept each other and let that's, each other live. That's such an important point because I can tell you, like, speaking on my personal experience, you know, I just, you know, had five years a little, what, two months ago or whatever. But it's, so two years I did one pathway and then it was different. And then it's different. And like, I'm not the same person I was when I was my first year and my second year. And so why would I assume that the same thing would work for me today that worked then if I don't change it up, if I don't, you know, create a life and it's, it's not about a pathway. It's about creating a life that I can maintain recovery in. And that's got to change with us. And as the world changes and, you know, we have to, you know, be willing to adapt and that's what's so great about things like this um it's it's changing and it's evolving and it's but it's just about people connection and loving each other and having a good time and no pitchforks no no judgment like and that's what people need man i would so go to your event tomorrow bro but i can't because i'll be in milwaukee I'm taking the kids to see a show like Dude Perfect Live or whatever. Oh, Dude Perfect Live. That sounds cool. Dude, it's going to be dope. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. Is like, this is super expensive. <laughs> I'm going to try not to think about thing, that. It's your thing tomorrow or Saturday? It's tomorrow. So, oh, my event Saturday. Oh, really? Oh, yes. I'm, dri- I'm driving back. I didn't screw myself. If anything, that's a blessing, <laughs> my friend. That's a blessing. Uh, yeah, I got to find the information. I'm assuming it's on your website, which on the website scrolls right. Oh, there I got to learn. I got to learn how to do this like green screen. Yeah, this thing right here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the sandsbar.com. All right, bro. I'm going to check it out because if it's on Saturday, it's awesome because tomorrow is like five hour drive out there couple hours before the show doing the show gonna have a movie night with the kids after at the hotel maybe take them swimming saturday morning for a minute 
check out and drive five hours back. Hey, the event does not start until 7 p.m. Uh, Boom! So you get you get a nap in, get a little bite to eat, head over to Jinx Tea over there. Uh, I forget what part of Minnesota it's in, or Minneapolis it's in. But yeah, um, find out. Uh, you have my contact information. Uh, yeah. Dude, that'd be awesome. That'd be so cool to come check out. So it's a Sands Bar event, though, so yeah. I could actually try one of these tasty mocktails. Absolutely. Try one of these tasty mocktails. Oh, man. Made by yours truly. I may hey, I may mess around and do some flair bartending. I can't Ooh. promise it's not. Oh. It's, again, it's like the Orlando thing. Like, I, I can't live a lot. Um, it's not going to happen. But, <laughs> but I mean, you can you can imagine. But the drinks are gonna be pretty beautiful drinks. Uh, yeah. tasty drinks. I'm uh, sure you got skills to pay the bills, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I got a drink named the Purple Rain after Prince. I'll get the whole. I got it. I got it. I got you. I got you. Gotcha. Right Will on, there be dude. a Jason Rudin drink? Well, Jason, take pictures. If Jason so shows up, seriously. I will name a drink after Jason. Bro. The Rudin. You call the what? way out. The way out. The way out, dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, what does that mean? I'm a co- I That's his co-host. Podcast. I co-host the Way Out podcast here in Minnesota. Well. And now I also co-host Recovery Revolution Live. But um, this is my second week here with these fine folks. These awesome. Wow, you're, you're multi-platform you're right there. That's awesome. I guess. I mean, it's funny, too, because I don't go looking for it, bro. I was invited. I was invited. And then I'm like, you know, this was a little weird because it's video. So I'm like, oh, it's video. But then it was the same thing when Charles asked me if I'd help him bring the show to the next level with the way out. I was like, everything inside me said, nah, dude, like, that's weird. And you're not qualified to do that. But it was like a higher power thing, dude. My sponsor was like, if it can help people, dude, you got to say yes. And I was Absolutely. like, all right, cool, let's do it. Absolutely. Well, you showing up on Saturday could help people. So, you know. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. <laughs> so if, I'm going to be there. If somebody, do, do you schedule the events or do people invite you to come to their city or how does that work? Uh, so it's, so this is a tour. I'm on a tour, on a 12-city tour this year. I've uh, been to all wild kind of crazy places uh boston uh i'll be in atlanta i was in atlanta i'll be in um la new york later this year i'll be in san francisco reno nevada i, I tour like a you know like a musician um but then also <laughs> people invite me to they they like fly me out for their events i did a wedding in martha's vineyard uh dang fancy yeah, I've done some really cool things, man. It's it's been really awesome. Um, so, it's again, like you said, doing absolutely nothing to deserve it. Just being being there and, and saying yes. Um, it's totally. been awesome, man. It's just just availing myself to the universe. I love it. Love it. That's great. I can't believe it. It's like, how? Do, what are the odds you're going to be in Minneapolis? It's perfect. It's perfect. Dude, I live thirty minutes away. See, right, the universe. the universe. Granted, I'll be five hours away that morning, <laughs> but I'm gonna come back here anyway. Hey, and then you have plenty of time. I'm a I'm a nap person. Get your nap Totes. in. Um, all yeah. that for sure. Totes, it's on like Donkey Kong now. And you can bring the kids with you because it's sober, it's all free. 
well, I don't have, I won't have my son. So it's really technically not my weekend, even though we're meeting out there uh, for the show. And then he's going to spend the night in the hotel just so that his mom can have his mom and stepdad can have a like date night. You know, I said, I suggested that I'm like, you might as well freaking capitalize on it. How often do you go that far away from home, you know, and you don't have to work. Go have fun. Adult time. Maybe some boom, boom. <laughs> well, let's not talk about your ex and her boom, boom. Oh, sorry. I didn't know I couldn't do that. <laughs> Anyway, so Chris, is there anything else you'd want to tell people that are listening that are would want to know, should I go to Sands Bar? Should I not go to Sands Bar? Am I sober curious? Am I sober serious? What would you tell them? Just, just come and find out. Um, just give it a try. Uh, contact me. Uh, I, I love, I love meeting people. I love talking to people. Obviously, like this is my, this is my stuff, man. This is what I love. I love having these conversations. I never get tired of them. So yeah, if you have a question you don't understand, reach out. Um, also, I offer plenty of opportunities to talk to me. Um, I'm, I tour. I also have a, an academy for people who want to start their own alcohol-free bar business. Um, it's called the Sands Bar Academy. So I'll plug that. Um, it's a great 10-week course designed to teach you to be a re, you know kind of like a recovery entrepreneur. Um, oh, UK, awesome. I can't, that's where I need to get to. That's where I need to get to. I need to get to the UK. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a really cool opportunity to learn. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for, for having me here. Loved it. Yeah, super thank fun. you so much for coming. All right, let's see if this, this outro music is better than the intro music, Ashley. Is this the way out? This is a different... I'm going for more of a beachy vibe here. Yeah, Jason's got it. Jason's got it. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Recovery Revolution Live. If you guys are watching us on YouTube, please be sure to subscribe to the channel and turn on <laughs> notifications so you know when we go live, which is every Thursday night. If you guys would like to send us a voice message, you can do so at the address on your screen, speak-2.us slash RRL, and we can play those clips on the show if you have questions, comments, concerns, praise, adoration, whatever it may be, you can leave those for us there. Uh, be sure. Uh, I already said to subscribe to the YouTube. You guys already know that. <laughs> if you guys are interested in more information, go to thesandsbar.com. And as Chris mentioned a few minutes ago, the Sands Bar Academy, if you're looking to start your own thing, that is where you can find that information. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight, and thank you, Chris. We really, really do appreciate it, man. Everybody have a good night, and remember, progress, not perfection.